Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and then verse 8. John baptized with water. This is the words of Jesus. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, Jesus continues to speak. He said, but you'll receive power When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends or the uttermost part of the earth. Now, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is the fulfilling of that prophecy 10 days later. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you, uh, that you made your dwelling among men in the person of Jesus Christ. And I thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit to be with us every step of the way. Not just with us, but in us. Lord, I pray that you help us to understand your word today. And more importantly, not just be hearers, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, what the Lord placed on my heart uh, to preach today is very simple. And I'm going to do my best not to complicate it. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Celebrated around the world by pretty much every church and every denomination as the day the Holy Spirit empowered and birthed the New Testament church. It's celebrated even further by those of us who are Pentecostal. And who, because we see this as the first fruits of an experience that wasn't just promised to them, but also is promised to us. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, John the Baptist promised it. Jesus promised it. Peter and John and Paul all talked about it. And I am convinced that it's not only a biblical experience, but it is a contemporary and desperately needed experience for people today. People today can be and should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, please continue to breathe and don't make your way to the exits. It's how we talk about and characterize that experience that causes me great concern. And if you've been, if you've been here for, for any length of time, you know that to be true. There are sort of two ditches around this issue. In one ditch are the people who have sensationalized the experience to the point that it's barely recognizable from a biblical perspective. What they preach, what they present, what they invite people to participate in looks nothing like what's in the Word of God. And most reasonable people don't want anything to do with it. In the other ditch are the people who have seen the excesses. They they have seen all of the extra-biblical things, and they've gone in the most opposite 
extreme. They either deny that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit or they refuse to give it any place in their pulpits, in their churches, or even in their lives. It's, it's a radioactive topic in a lot of churches today. Both ditches have caused irreparable harm to the church and specifically to the American church. So today I want you to lay aside all the stuff that you've heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're in one of the ditches, do me a favor and just like hop on out of one of those ditches. Just kind of sit on the edge. You can get right back in if you need to. Just hop on out and sit on the edge uh, and let's just, let's just talk for a minute. Okay? If you have questions, if you have doubts, just listen today prayerfully and with an open mind. Or maybe you've had that experience one time, but haven't really since that initial experience. I want you to listen prayerfully today. Or even if you are a dyed-in-the-wool, um, all-the-way-to-the-bone Pentecostal, and for you it is a personal and everyday experience, I want you to hear this this morning. Now, here's the message that I believe the Lord laid on my heart, um, and, and it's this. The, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a baptism of love. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a baptism of love. Maybe you've never heard it that way. Maybe you've never thought of it that way. But I think I can prove that to you pretty quickly. And then we'll spend the rest of our time together digging into the Word and, uh, and, and uh, letting you see some more scriptures that will back up that conclusion. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 16. God, we know how much God loves us and we've put our trust uh, in His love. And here's the part that I want you to see out of this verse. We'll, I think we're coming back to this verse in a few minutes. But uh, it says, God is love. God is love. So, and, and, uh, and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. So in this passage, we find out God is love. Everybody still with me? Okay. That's, no, we're not breaking new territory yet. That's, that's pretty simple. God is love. If you're a math person, you could say God equals love. Any math geeks, any, any math leets in here? Nobody wants to claim that. That's okay. I'll be the only one. Um, in, in Acts chapter 5 and in many other places throughout the word, we find that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? Don't we believe that in the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all co-equal, uh, they, they are God. So we, we find out that Holy Spirit is God or the Holy Spirit equals God. Y'all see where I'm going here? If the Holy Spirit is God and God is love, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, are you not baptized into his love? It is a baptism of love. Now, let's just stop right there for a second and let's talk about the implications of that revelation. Like, why would anybody get in a ditch about the baptism of the Holy Spirit if it's a baptism of love? Why would anybody be opposed to, why would anybody be offended by a baptism of love? Why, who wouldn't want to be baptized in love? And this is not just any kind of love, okay? This isn't a mega dose 
of human love. This isn't a mega dose of mama's love or daddy's love. This is a perfect, selfless, unconditional, divine love that's defined by the Greek word agape. That's the kind of love it is, and it's received from the Spirit. There are no human sources of agape. You can't just go find it somewhere. You can't manufacture it on your own. It has to come from above, and that's why this love has to be received from on high. Now, the word baptism means to be immersed so that's, that's, that's what the word literally means. So that's why we're dunkers around here. We, when we baptize in water, you go all the way under. Some people are opposed to that, don't like water in their face, but I just tell them, I haven't lost one yet. Soon as the water covers your nose, I'm going to bring you right back up, okay? So don't be swinging up on me. I ain't been saved that long. Right? So immersed means you are complete. You, baptism means you're completely immersed. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are completely immersed in the love of God. It permeates every fiber of your spiritual being and it starts to make changes in every other part of you. It starts on the inside and then it works its way to the outside. You know what it does? It makes us like Jesus. Makes us like Jesus. Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 5. In the first two verses, it says, Imitate God. That does not sound like a suggestion, right? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you're his, you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, just like Jordan said. Wherever Jordan is. Just, he, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Being baptized in, in agape love allows you to live a life like Jesus lived, characterized by love. Now, except for about eight years when my family attended a Baptist church when, when I was young, um, I've been in a, in a Pentecostal church my whole life. And I can't tell you how many messages I've heard on this subject and with this, uh, this as the anchor scriptures for the messages. I, so I know what the objections are that may be popping into your brain right now, okay? You say, but Jesus said in the scripture that you just read in Acts chapter 1 that when the, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will have power. And that is absolutely true. But let me ask you a question. What is more powerful than love? What's more powerful than love? We're not talking about human love, remember? We're not talking about how you feel about the person you're dating or the one you married, how you feel about pizza. Don't, isn't it weird to you that we use the same term for pizza and, and, and our, anyway. So it's not that kind of love right? What's more powerful than love? Let me just give you one example. According to John 3, 16, it was the love of God. It was love that caused a perfect and just God to send his innocent and only begotten son to this earth to die for our sins. Now, if love will motivate a father to do that, I can't think of anything more powerful than love. Look at this, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. 
Romans 5 and 5. And this hope will, will not lead to disappointment. That's, that's a, a transition from, uh, from one subject to the other. Uh, so look at this. For we, now, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Why, did he, why does he give us the Holy Spirit? To fill our hearts with God's love. What this world needs is people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit because only then do we have the capacity to love people the way people need to be loved, the way Jesus loved people. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about power, the power to love people. You say, but the Holy Spirit's power is resurrection power according to Romans chapter 8 absolutely right but what do you think motivated god to resurrect jesus from that grave do you not think it was the love of the father that moved him to raise jesus up at the first possible moment can you not hear the father just say get him out of there everything's accomplished everything's done get him up here where he belongs if god's love raised the dead That's power. And it's that same power that permeates every ounce of us when we completely surrender ourselves and allow him to baptize us in his spirit. It is a baptism of love. You say, John, okay, I understand, but I believe... I've always been taught that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about the gifts of the Spirit operating in the life of the believer. I don't disagree. Like, I'm there. But let's look at some scripture together. Is it okay for us to read the Bible in in church? All right? Let's look at some scripture together. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. Now, remember that when the Bible was written, they didn't have chapters and verses. It was a letter. So just because it was it, something starts in 12 and then goes to 13, they're still talking about the same thing, all right? So verse, verse 31 in chapter 12, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And ver- so verse uh, 1 in chapter 13, Paul says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and, and of angels, but I didn't love others. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, look at what he said, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now look at, uh, let's look at verse 8 in that same chapter, verse 13, chapter 13. Prophecy, speaking in unknown languages, special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now let's look at verse, uh, verse 1 in chapter 14. His conclusion is, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. It says, but you should also desire the special abilities, the gifts the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. And then he starts into another conversation about, uh, about tongues, tongues and interpretation versus prophecy. Listen, love 
has to come first. Love has to come first. It's the love of the Father that gives legitimacy to the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't have a love of the Father to motivate the gifts, the Bible says those gifts are useless, self-seeking, and annoying. Well, what do you think a clanging symbol is? Annoying if it's not accompanied by the right music. And don't, they don't build up. Gifts without love don't build up. They tear down. Gifts are great. Gifts are necessary. Gifts are still for today. But they have to be rooted in the love of Christ and his church. Why, why do you think he says earnestly desire the best gifts? Because you love people and you want to make sure that they're built up and edified. You say, well, John, I, I don't think it's so much about gifts as much as it is about fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is super important. I don't disagree. Gifts without fruit are incomplete. But let's look at the scripture together. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What's listed first? Love. You're like, oh, Lord, I don't know. Back up. Let me see the verse again. Love. Love is listed first. Almost all scholars, listen, all scholars don't agree on anything, but pretty much all scholars agree that love is listed first in the fruit of the Spirit because it's the most important one. If you don't have love in your life, then you're also not going to have joy and peace and patience and goodness and all the others. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about the power to experience and express the love of God. And so listen to me. If you've got gifts but no love, stop what you're doing because there's a problem. If, if you've got a ministry office, if you've got a title, you've got a position, you've got a job, but you aren't full of God's love, stop what you're doing because there's a problem. See, this is how church hurt happens. Y'all ever heard the term church hurt? <laughs> I won't even ask how many have experienced it because you've been in for like longer than four weeks. You, you, you've experienced it. This is how church hurt happens. People trying to do spiritual work without the baptism of love that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Working in their own strength, in their own power, in their own version and volume of earthly love. And it's just not going to last. And it won't work. Listen, if you, if you take a sponge and you plunge it down in the water, that sponge gets baptized. Right? It completely immersed in that water. But if you pull it up and you wring it out and you leave it in the sun, it's going to get bone dry. Isn't that right? Do I have my science right? Right? The problem a lot of people have is they got baptized in the Spirit 30 years ago and they thought they had that one checked off the list. Right? Like Heather talked about. There are, there are religious points of view about almost everything. You're like, baptize the Holy Spirit. Check. Got that one. That is not how that works. This is a hot, dry world. Amen. The work of the ministry 
and spiritual warfare that surrounds it will ring you out. The scary part, the scary part is that the gifts may still operate even after the love has dried up. That's why Ephesians 5 says, be continually over and over again filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not once and done. If you don't get baptized uh, in the love of the Father over and over again, we've all seen the results. You get cynical, you get bitter, you start pushing people away instead of drawing people to the Lord. You get picky about who gets to come to Jesus and who doesn't. But a Pentecostal baptism of love will replenish you and give you a good dose of whosoever will may come. Right? It'll, it'll make you love sinners and welcome them with open arms. It'll get you and keep you motivated to do the work that you've been called to and gifted for. You say, okay, John, I, I, I give up. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of love. Okay. But listen. I'm not trying to win any awards. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. I just want to make it to heaven. Okay. I ain't trying to preach. I ain't trying to do all that. So save all this Holy Spirit baptism stuff for the preachers and the superstars. I'm just trying to follow Jesus all the way to the pearly gates. Well, let's read the Bible together, shall we? Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the most, he's talking to Jesus, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then the, the, well, I didn't even put it, yeah, there it is. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love everybody else. Doesn't appear that anybody is exempt. If you want to please God, that's how you do it. Love, like everybody. Look at how Paul put it in, in Romans 12. Don't, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tight to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. In, verse thir- in chapter 13, verse 8, uh, in, of Romans, Paul still says the same thing. Owe nothing to anybody except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. And then verse 10, same chapter says, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Two things I want you to see in addition to Paul echoing what Jesus already said about love fulfilling the requirements of the law. One, it is our obligation to love people. Our obligation. That means it's not optional. It's not an add-on for the super spiritual people or those whose personalities tend to lend itself towards being affectionate. If you are a follower of Jesus, you must love others. That's what the word just said right there, isn't it right? All right, here's the, you say, okay, fine, fine. I guess I can at least act like I love people. Like, I'll be nice, pastor. It's okay, I'll be nice. I'll just like fake it till I make it. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because like number two is you can't fake it. 
He said, you have to really love each other. Don't pretend. Don't fake it. There has to flow from you a genuine love for other people. Let me ask you real quick. Um, like, you got that kind of love just naturally floating around in there somewhere? Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Well, that makes one of us, right? Hebrews 6. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. That's salvation. Then, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you'll follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Please don't miss what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these people. He said, the way I know that you're not getting spiritually dull and indifferent, the way I know that you're going to see the hope of your salvation fulfilled, the way I know that you're going to follow the example of those who will inherit the promises of God is that you are still loving others. If you're still expressing the love of God to other people, then I know you're on the right path. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. It's an astonishingly simple test of discipleship. I started to say taste of discipleship, and that just didn't feel right. It's an astonishingly simple test of discipleship. He didn't look at their church attendance records. He didn't look at their giving report. He didn't check on their signs and miracles and wonders. He didn't ask for their prayer journals or for their Bible study notes. He reduced it down to one thing, love. He said, if you're still operating in God's love, then you're still walking with God and you're going to be okay. Let me show it to you in another place. 1 John 4. I told you we were coming back to 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 12, same chapter. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And now verse 20, same chapter. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? God is is love. So if anybody claims to belong to God, you better be demonstrating love. As a matter of fact, John, the author of this book, this letter said, if you don't love others, you don't even know God. And if you say you do, you're a liar. That's what the book said. That's how important love is. You got that much love naturally? Nope. Oh, and don't forget that this is not your love he's asking for anyway. All the passages we just read use the Greek word agape. He's telling us we have to have a divine love for every human being on the planet. It's pretty clear you need a regular and recurring baptism of love. Jesus said in Acts, he would baptize believers in the Holy Spirit, that it would give them power. And that they would become witnesses. Please notice the distinction. He did not say he would give them power to witness. 
He said to be witnesses. It's not, a, it's not about, it's about identity, not activity. Amen. It's about identity, not activity. Who you are determines what you do, not the other way around. Because you can't work your way into the kingdom of God. You can't do the witnessing. You can't do all of the things you think a good Christian is supposed to do. And suddenly Jesus just welcomes you with open arms. What's his, what is his response to people who say, hey, I did all the things. I've got all the, all the activity that everybody thinks is associated with Christianity. Jesus is going to say what? I don't even know you. You have to, who you are, it has to be identity first. Who you are determines what you do. The power of love causes you to become a witness of what the power of God has done in your life. A witness to how the resurrected Jesus brought you back to life. A witness to how the gospel of Jesus saved you and set you on a different path than you were on. A witness to how his love changed you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is given to help us become witnesses. We allow the work of the Spirit to make us more and more like Jesus. And when that happens, the character and nature of Christ takes over our lives to the point that we can now be living, breathing witnesses of Jesus. And I, well, what do I say when, it, when I reach that point? It's not even about what you say. They looked, the, the authorities looked at the, the apostles somewhere around Acts chapter 4, and they said, we can tell you've been with Jesus. They, they said of the church people in Antioch, we're just going to call you Christians. That means little Christs, little Jesuses just running around all over the place. They said, you act just like Jesus. We see him in you and on you. When that happens, you have become a witness. You speak out of your experience and your new identity. It's not just religious activity. It's the result of love empowered by the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is about multiplying the ministry of Jesus into the world. Isn't that why he left us here? Isn't that why he doesn't just save us and snatch us out of here? He left us here for a reason. We are here to multiply the ministry of Jesus into the world. Well, what characterized the ministry of Jesus? Power? Absolutely. Miracles? Yep. Teaching and preaching that challenged people and changed people? 100%. Obedience to the will of God? Completely. But what drove all of that? We already found out. It was the love of Jesus. That's what drew people that's what confused and irritated religious people. Love. Listen, we're never going to fulfill the Great Commission by protesting and picketing and boycotting, screaming at people on social media. We will only win the world. We will only represent Christ accurately when we love God, love each other, and love the world. Amen. Corey, come on and play something, man. I think we have greatly underestimated the power of love and greatly overestimated our own power to love. We, we can't do, we don't do it on our own because we can't do it on our own. Jesus told people, 500 of them gathered around him on the mountain and he said... 
before he left the earth. Y'all need to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Right? He said, go wait. Wait for the power. What if the power is not just to give them the knowledge and the unction and the boldness to preach the truth? What if it was about getting their hearts filled with the love of Christ for the people that they'd be ministering to? Would that change how we see the day of Pentecost? So here's what I'm asking you to do today. Is check your love level. Check your love level. I'm not asking about how your holiness is. I'm not asking to see the rule book and how many you broke this week. Not asking about gifts or power. Not asking about any external thing. When you look at people who are not following Jesus, or at least who ain't following him the way you think they're supposed to be following him, do you have love for them? Or is it just judgment, criticism, disgust, and rejection? Do you want to share the gospel with them because you can't wait to point out that they're wrong? Or do you love them and want them to know Jesus? Those are completely different things. Completely different motivations. One's empowered by self-righteousness and pride. The other is empowered by the Holy Spirit and humility. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of love. So let me ask you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in His Spirit recently? Are you completely saturated with godly love for people? Or are you dry and wrung out and tired of people? There is living water for you today. Very simply, just ask Him. Just ask Him to baptize you in His Spirit. Baptize you in His love. I thought, well, John, what's the rules? Eh, there are no rules. Just ask Him. He's a good Father. Luke 11, Luke 13, He's a good Father. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So just ask. Y'all stand. Stand with me, please. I haven't asked them to sing any particular song. We're not here to try to work anything up. If y'all been around a while, you know what I'm talking about. I really felt like my, um, my mission today was just to um, present you with the truth and then challenge you to respond to the truth. It's not, it's not about me. I'm, I'm not counting heads to see who's coming to the audience. It's not, it's not, even, it's not about that. What I, what I just presented to you is the truth of the Word of God. Is that right? So now you got to deal with Him about it. Okay? So let's do that. And then we're, I'm going to pray. They're going to sing a song. We'll be dismissed together in just a minute. But if you've, um, if you've got anything you want to pray about, it doesn't just have to be in response to this message. Anything that's going on in your life, you've got a decision to make, you've got, you got a need in your body, uh, in a relationship, whatever it is that you want to pray about, this altar is open. You come and pray. All right, let's, let's just bow our heads. Father, thank you for the chance to be in your house. 
thank you for your word. I thank you that you, your word is always, always on time. That it's all, it always penetrates our hearts. It always exposes us. And God, I just pray that your, your spirit would expose truth in our hearts and our lives about our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would baptize this church, which I know happens in individual lives, but baptize this church in your love. Lord, may we see the power of love operating, emanating from this church so that people are not just drawn to here, but, but that we carry his love. We carry your love, Lord, everywhere we go. And it's pray, Lord, that people would be drawn not to us, but to you. Lord, I pray that you would draw every person to this altar today who has a need. Lord, every, every, uh, every decision, every, uh, every body that's sick, every uh, relationship that needs mending, every, uh, every situation that's going on in our lives, Lord, we just bring that to you today. And I know that when you draw us to this place, that you will meet us here and that you always hear us when we pray. Lord, get the glory from everything that you accomplished today in Jesus' name. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.